Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Monday, November 21st. It is five minutes after 11. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. Thank you so much for listening this morning. I was a bit surprised when I read this on the template, Rob. I didn't think we were going back down the World Economic Forum well, okay. Hole. Yes. All right. So uh, apparently we are. There, there's a reason we're going to do this because it is. I uh, one of the one of the things that y- it used to be, and I think it has changed in the modern era, is that governors, if you look at the history of this country, at least the modern history of this country, have had somewhat of an advantage in presidential elections because. They uh, they have led states, right? Like people look at them and they say, you can run on A, B, and C. Now, obviously, the last three presidents, I'm saying up until recently, and I think it's changed because like Twitter, Facebook, the 24-7 cable news cycle, I think that has changed the trajectory because people consume information nonstop. But it used to be, if you look back and say, hey, you know, Clinton was, you know, a governor, Bush was a vice president who was elected president, but then Reagan was a governor. Jimmy Carter was a governor. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a really, you know, a group of people there who were governors because they were in front of the people. They have led states. They have things to run on signature issues, et cetera. And the contrast of our governor to Ron DeSantis. Mm. And when you realize when you, and then this, this audio we're going to play you is the prime example of this, of how lucky the people of Florida are to have Ron DeSantis leading their state, especially when you compare it to the high taxing, lockdown promoting, mask mandating clown we have here. And I'm doing this because they're supposedly in the same party. And I want to go back to, if you remember earlier this summer, when we were at the height of the conversation about the the, the government in Indiana here confiscating $1,500 of your money, how much were they going to give back to you? It ultimately ended up being a paltry $200. Should we suspend the gas tax to help people? You know, the abortion debate was in full force. Where did our governor go? Mm. He went to the World Economic Forum to hang out with a bunch of globalist, America-hating, radical left-wing lunatics mm-hmm. and remind you who, who, who want to control everything. Like, they want to control every part of your existence. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to play you this audio from a guy by the name of J. Michael Evans. He's the head of the Alibaba Group. And this is from the World Economic Forum about who these people are. And this is who our governor, Eric Holcomb, chose to go spend his free time palling around with. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Our governor mm-hmm. went and hung out with these people. Mm-hmm. He bragged about hanging out with this pe- these people. He was tweeting about hanging out with these people. This is who Eric Holcomb and the apparently the Indiana Republican Party, because not one Republican, elected Republican in the Indiana General Assembly spoke out 
about Eric Holcomb going out and hanging out with a bunch of globalist, America-hating, left-wing, radical lunatics. Mm-hmm. So apparently that is the position of the Republican Party, is what you just heard. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming? This is what the World Economic Forum wants to put into place. Imagine that. You're out and about and you think, oh, Dairy Queen, yeah, I want to go in and get a blizzard. But because of something the World Economic Forum has done, led by a bunch of people that you didn't put in charge, they say, no, your biostats aren't good. You're not allowed to have that blizzard right now because your cholesterol's too high. That's the sort of freedom that this World Economic Forum wants to take away from you. It's absolutely insane. And then he just, he being our governor, Eric mm-hmm. Holcomb, just went to this climate, UN climate change convention in Egypt, in mm-hmm. which I guarantee his climate footprint to go to and from Egypt and what he did in Egypt is more than I've had in the last 10 years for everything. Mm-hmm. So the And again, nothing from the Indiana Republican Party. Nothing about why is our governor at a time when wages are struggling, there's a clear education gap, the, the, people are struggling related to taxation, you've got a major crisis looming with property taxes and property assessments. These are the things he's doing. These are the people he's attracting to Indiana. When Eric Holcomb goes to the WEF or goes to the UN Climate Change Summit and he talks about what he's bringing to Indiana, he's not helping you. These people are not setting up shop in Indiana and going, oh, let's skill up all these Hoosiers and really improve the wages and quality of life of Hoosiers. No, they're bringing in oftentimes foreign-based workers. We're not even talking about Americans in many cases. Mm -hmm. We're talking about foreign-based workers who are coming into this country and taking up resources and taking up jobs. And the Republican Party in this state, apparently based on the fact that you get complete and utter silence from everyone, from Todd Houston, the Speaker of the House, Rod Bray, the pro tem of the Senate, the super majorities in the Indiana House and the Indiana Senate, nobody ever says a word about this. Apparently, this is the position of the Republican Party. You as a resident of the state are having your life, your quality of life, your ability to earn a living swallowed up by our governor going and lusting and having a fetish for attracting radical left companies and 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 policies that are bringing people from other countries into our state well i certainly hope that as the governor is traveling around the world talking about climate and hanging out in davos switzerland with the world economic forum people that he doesn't catch a bug or he doesn't get sick because indiana hospitals are still still experiencing supply chain issues which he helped perpetuate it's an unresolved issue and they are starving suffering hoosiers of needed medicine and equipment while he's talking about the climate people are in hospitals not receiving medicine that they need right now because of supply chain issues So let's compare and contrast that here in Indiana, in which we have a uh, kneeling, ring finger kissing, all obedient governor to the World Economic Forum and the United Nations compared to what Ron DeSantis has to say about what's going on in Florida or related to these same people. 
I want to have the values not of Davos imposed on us, but of places like Destin and Dunedin, where I grew up. Um, things like the World Economic Forum, uh, those policies are dead on arrival in the state of Florida. Uh, we are not going to go down that road. Eric Holcomb and the Indiana Republican Party are not putting you first. They have, a, again, a bizarre obsession with attracting and oftentimes not even companies from out of state, but international companies who are not looking to hire you for high wage jobs. They're not looking to skill you up to hire for high wage jobs. They're looking to bring outsiders in, be they f- people foreign to this country or people who are foreign to this state. And when you compare and contrast that, because clearly, and we talked about this last week, Casey, clearly the argument, well, there's all this new revenue that bring in doesn't mean anything to us either because they're currently sitting on $1,500 of our money and despite record taxation and record government and record govern, government expenditures, they've only found two in their heart to give you $200 of that money back. They're not suspending the gas tax. The Republicans here are not lowering your taxes. You are getting no benefit out of Eric Holcomb's green dream that he shares with very dangerous globalist America-hating people. And when you compare and contrast that to what you just heard, man, I so wish even if it's just for one week, we could have Ron DeSantis running this state. Who is the World Economic Forum? Who elected these people? It's a global entity. Holcomb should not be palling around with these people. Just imagine, this is what they say about the World Economic Forum. The topics on their agenda include economic rebalancing of the world, society, equity, nature, food, climate, industry transformation and innovation, governance, governance of the world. I didn't put these people in office. And the, and the bigger question has to be, Casey, where is the Indiana Republican Party? Where is, and you'll notice, Casey, I'm not name calling. I'm not uh, being clever. I'm being, I'm asking a very serious question. Does Rod Bray, the Speaker or the pro tem of the Senate, and Todd Houston, the Speaker of the House, do they agree that the that the platform of the Republican Party should be attracting foreign workers and foreign companies ahead of benefiting Hoosiers? And if indeed the argument is, well, all these companies coming in creates more revenue, which creates a better quality of life, then why have we never had more taxes? and more government and more government regulation. And why is it that the buying power of Hoosiers has arguably never been lower? We fail on all sorts of areas. We fail in public health. We fail in public education. We fail in skill set. We fail in wages. We fail in buying power. This is not working, and I am curious why the Republican Party remains so petrified to speak out against a lame duck governor who clearly, even the people inside your own party, load to the point that they were willing to nominate Diego Morales in order to send a message to him. Diego Morales, that is how much Eric Holcomb is despised. What do these political leaders in this state, why are they so afraid to stand up to this governor? What what does he have on them? Why are they petrified to do the right thing for us? Or do they 
do they actually agree, hey, we are Team World Economic Forum, we are Team Eric Holcomb, this is what we want our state to be? I certainly hope not. It's not what I want my state to be. It is 16 after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Adam Schiff says he is considering a race for U.S. Senate. He also believes that Kevin McCarthy will become the next House Speaker, but that his tenure will be short. He also criticized McCarthy, saying that he had neither the talent or intellect that Nancy Pelosi had. Yikes. Okay, so here's a couple pieces of audio from Adam Schiff. I believe it was ABC that he was on yesterday. And Schiff comes out and says that he is all in on four more years of Joe Biden. And finally, before you go, uh, today is Joe Biden's 80th birthday. Do you think he should run for re-election? Uh, I think he should. I think he's uh, extremely capable. What he's been able to do in the last two years uh, is an unprecedented level of accomplishment. If he wants to continue, I'm, I'm for him. So now he's a big supporter. He'll be 80. So Joe Biden is 80 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. He will be 82 when he runs for re-election, which means he would be 86 years old. Mm-hmm by the time his second term is up. Now, I am not trying to be mean-spirited or just, I'm I'm saying this in a totally above-board fashion. Given where Joe Biden is right now, would, is there any world in which you would want to see him six years from now still running our nation? (laughs) No, no world. I mean, I don't see it tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not saying that from a, I agree with him on a public policy platform, I'm saying, is this the guy, even two years from now, who you'd want in a room with Vladimir Putin or Xi or, you know, any of these, the Ayatollah of Iran or, you know, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un, whatever, during time of international crisis and conflict? I mean, is this, is that really what you want for, our, you know, our, our nation? I mean, why would, why would any person who's being remotely honest with themselves, say, yes, this seems like an incredible idea for the country. Yeah, and he keeps saying that it's his intention to run. And why does he think that he's the only guy who can beat Trump? It, it's uh, it's almost like it, everybody's just assuming it's going to be Biden and Trump again. Well, and I was, I think I earlier in the show alluded to, I was reading an, an op-ed yesterday um, about why Trump is in trouble. And I think it was on the Hill where, where, where the publication that aired it was or ran it. And they made a great point, which is if indeed it is Biden, this is another example of why DeSantis has such a benefit. Because if you think about, okay, our goal is to compare and contrast to Joe Biden. And the argument is Joe Biden is too old and feeble-minded and and long in the tooth and too Washington and whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, Donald Trump is not markedly younger than Joe Biden. He, I think he's, what is he, four years younger than Joe Biden. Donald Trump would be 78 years old. And in terms of an exhaustion factor, Donald Trump equals, if not surpasses, the exhaustion factor that, that society has with Joe Biden. And if you were going to say, who is the best alternative to Joe Biden, a person 
who would be in their mid 40s and look there are other people who fit this bill as well right it, it, whether it's tim scott or christy Nome or whoever nikki haley mm-hmm. fill in your favorite younger gen x republican that's a far better compare and contrast mm-hmm. than forcing people to go you got two choices you got trump or you got biden mm-hmm I think you said it earlier. The Biden administration wants it to be Trump. They do. Because there's no way that Joe Biden is winning against DeSantis or Noam or Nikki Haley or any of these other people that you've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, uh, Schiff also went on to say, now, of course, reminder that uh, we put this earlier in the show, Kevin McCarthy, the likely incoming Speaker of the House, has said he's going to give Schiff the boot off his uh, committee assignments. Mm -hmm. And um, Schiff said that uh, letting Trump back on Twitter was a big mistake. I think it's a terrible mistake. And you're absolutely right. As we showed in the January 6th hearings, the president used that platform to incite that attack on the Capitol. Uh, his comments about the vice president, his own vice president, put Mike Pence's life uh, in danger. He showed no remorse about that. Uh, he continues to lie about uh, his actions on that day. He talks about pardoning the people who attacked police officers and attacked the Capitol that day. Uh, and it contradicts what Elon Musk uh, said, that he was going to establish a council to evaluate the this uh, and and further contradicts uh, Musk uh, and his claimed concern about bots on his own platform uh, to subject the decision to a poll in a platform that could be easily abused that way. Uh, it just underscores the the erratic leadership of Twitter now under Musk, but also the security concerns uh, with security people fleeing Twitter uh, and what that means for the protection of Americans' uh, private data. So you want me to believe that he's concerned about my private data? Yes. I'm not. I'm not buying it. No, doesn't he sound concerned? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you question that? And he just said people are fleeing Twitter. Twitter's never been more active than right now. And it's Musk is the CEO of this company. He can do what he pleases as long as it's within the confines of the law. Well, and and this is what we say to people about what is is happening here is whether it is, you know, Jordan Peterson got unbanned, Babylon B got unbanned. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some ridiculous, Kanye got unbanned. I love that Kanye's first tweet was like, test, test, is this thing on? Can you guys see my tweets? Yeah. But the idea that, people need to realize it is not that they disagree with you that bothers them. It is your existence that bothers them, them being the left. And they recognize, as has been done in communist and dictatorial regimes throughout history, that if we just erase your existence, that is far more easy to deal with than having to counteract your argument. And in the case of conservatives, period, but obviously Donald Trump is the, he's not a conservative, but, 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 cause du jour right now for these people they don't want donald trump to exist it's not that they disagree with his opinion it is his existence and if they get away with it with trump it's why i've said i disagree with everything about alex jones but i absolutely think he should be on these platforms because your existence is what makes you human your existence is what makes you unique you are unique based on the fact that god created you different than every single person and you as a as a as a law-abiding citizen have a right to exist unless you are convicted of a capital punishment by the justice system and and exhaust your appeals and are sentenced to death you have a right to exist and when we eliminate people's right to exist 
We are taking away their humanity. We are taking away what it means to be unique. And Alex Jones, just like any of these other weirdos, has the right to exist and to and to be heard because if they get away with it with him, they'll get away with it with you. Mm-hmm. It's 1127. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. talk about Mike Pence. Uh, I know. He told NBC's Meet the Press that no one is above the law when he was asked about Trump's role in January 6th. Uh, so here's a guy. He's just, I feel like he's got a theme song and it should be Johnny Cash Walk the Line because that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's always walking the line. He never wants to completely commit. Yeah. Very wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm, Trump shouldn't have done that, but I'm not going to say completely. Well, Mike Pence is- He doesn't al- want to commit. He's always been a guy who gives phenomenal speeches. Mike Pence is an incredible orator. He gives phenomenal speeches, but- his actual, and this is, you know, and the, I know there's so many people who love Mike Pence, they'll just be mad and they'll threaten to not listen anymore or whatever. But tell me what Mike Pence's signature accomplishment as an elected official is. So we go, let's go back 22 years, congressman, governor, vice president. Now, obviously, vice presidents don't really have signature accomplishments, but something that he was in charge of that would have never got done without Mike Pence will count that. What is the signature Mike Pence accomplishment in the United States Congress? Yes, he voted for tax reform, but it was not backed up by any spending cuts, and it added to the national debt, and he repeatedly voted to send people to die in ill-begotten war. So anytime Mike Pence gets on a moral high ground about Donald Trump's actions on January 6th, I'd ask Mike Pence to review his voting record in the Congress and how many people died in his due to his voting record in the Congress compared to January 6th. As a governor, what was Mike Pence's signature accomplishment? RIFRA? Boy, that, that put our state in a, a great light. Uh, just in the state-run news agency? Oh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a real humdinger. And then as vice president... Well, he was kind of in charge of COVID, and how'd that go? Hmm. What what is uh, what is the Mike Pence? Take the speeches out of it. Take the orator, his ability to to deliver messages out of it. What is Mike Pence's signature accomplishment as an elected official? I will wait. You're saying that people like him because of his speeches? I'm saying I find his speeches lack passion. I'm saying Mike Pence came up in a time in which a guy who could articulate conservatism was a breath of fresh air to many people. You got to remember, Mike Mike Pence is a guy who wanted to be in politics from the time he was old enough to tie his shoes. His whole life was about being in politics. He ran for Congress, not once but twice. He was resoundingly defeated, not once but twice. And he spent basically the next decade 
figuring out how to get into the United States Congress. This radio station played a gigantic role in that. Give him credit for that. He was an okay radio host. His ratings aren't nearly as good as ours, but we don't that we won't hold that against him. The radio station is further along now than it, it was back then. And, you know, we don't need to compare numbers or anything like that or who was better or who had higher ratings. It's fine. It's it's that it, it, we're not here to do that today. But the point is <laughs> what? I- I'm actually I'm laughing at myself because I just said that his speeches lack passion and I completely forgot that he used to sit right there in that chair. And then again, you know, again, he was he was very passionate with his ratings that were not nearly as good as ours. He was probably the most passionate guy in the whole world. The, the point is that he, there is no there is no the resume while the accomplishments of achieving legislative office. I mean, I guess there was during that period where he also was a major investor in the Kill Brothers Oil Company which was run by his brother, who went basically belly up and left a local bank holding millions of dollars in unpaid loans. And then we as taxpayers had to spend millions of dollars to clean up Greg's environmental mess. And Mike was an investor in that, too. I mean, but again, we don't want to talk about that today. We're here to talk about Mike Pence's accomplishments as an elected (laughs) official. And they're not there. The speeches are great. He came up at a time where it was a breath of fresh air to see someone articulate conservatism. And he's never gotten past that point. Every Mike Pence speech is exactly the same. Every person who's been around Indiana politics for any length of time can do the cadence. They can mimic it. It's all the same. There is, There are very few actual accomplishments that Mike Pence can look to and go, had I not been here, X, Y, or Z would not have happened. Mm-hmm. He was recently asked by Chuck Todd, the guy with two first names, how he felt about Merrick Garland. And here's his response. As someone who cherishes the men and women who serve in the Justice Department and especially the FBI, Mm -hmm. I I think now is a time for them to be focusing on restoring public confidence in our institution. You don't have confidence in Merrick Garland as Attorney General, Judge Garland? I I, I have great difficulty with the decision that he made. I have have great concerns about uh, his judgment and leadership at the Justice Department in the wake of it. He's right on that. I mean, he's absolutely right about that. But what else is he going to say? I mean, this guy wants to be president of the United States. By the way, let's... you want to role play for a second? Sure. I mean, I realize I just threw that on you, and that may not be appropriate to ask on public airwaves governed by the FCC. (laughs) But pretend you're Mike Pence, okay? okay? Because I clearly can't do that because, well, I'm just just incapable. But you're going to stand on a stage and run Mm -hmm. for president... Mm -hmm. And I want you to finish this sentence. You should select me to be the nominee because blank. What what is that argument? Like you if you can't run against Trump because mm-hmm. you were there and you said nothing while it was going on and you're bragging like he this is the tightrope he likes likes to walk. Right, that's right? what I'm saying. Like, like, walk the line. He's like he, he, he brags about all the Trump stuff and then goes, well, he was totally inappropriate on January 6th. Okay, but you then if you're going to stand on a stage and you're going to brag about Trump's accomplishments, then people are just going to go, well, we already we already have Donald Trump, and he was the guy who actually had the accomplishments that right? you brag about. If he runs against Trump, how's he going to do that having been the vice president who said all the Trump stuff was great? And the one question, and look, the Pence people get really mad about this. I mean, like by Pence people standards, enraged, but it's, you can be mad at me all you want. 
Mike Pence is eventually going to have to answer the question, okay, you say the behavior was ridiculous from Trump on January 6th. Are you saying, because the tweets now are back, now that the account's back, and we've seen Trump clearly tells people, be peaceful, don't break things, mm-hmm. be good citizens, mm-hmm. tells people to go home, mm-hmm. whatever. So are you saying then the objection to the election is the behavior that was ridiculous? See, he doesn't do this in these interviews. He doesn't say what the behavior or the rhetoric was, because now that the Twitter's back, the whole world can see all Trump did is protest an election. So was Mike Pence going to stand on a stage in a Republican primary and say to the world, I think Joe Biden got 81 million legal votes? Mm-hmm. Okay, if that's the answer, we're done here, and you're obviously done here. Mm-hmm. But if the answer's no, then why'd you cert- then why did you certify the election? And what behavior that Trump part Trump, mm-hmm. not the people who stormed the Capitol, because Trump wasn't up there with a bayonet yelling charge. He was telling people go home and be peaceful. What behavior that Donald Trump engaged in do you find ridiculous? And when he's on a stage alone with Trump, mm-hmm. there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, there's not gonna be some some uh, uh interviewer who shares Pence's you know, desire to paint Trump in a negative light. He's going to have to answer the question, did Biden get 81 million legal votes? And he doesn't have an answer for it. And I can't wait for that. Well, he was also asked if he was concerned about Trump's behavior post-election and did it damage the Republican Party? You, you, you want the public to try to split this. Are you concerned that Donald Trump's behavior post-election 2020 damaged the Republican Party and is the mid or the 2022 midterm sort of evidence? Well, I think it really does depend on our candidates and whether or not Republican candidates around the country will will learn the lessons mm-hmm. that we learned through that tragic day. And frankly, uh, it, in many of the elections that, that took place in the midterms. Is a pitfall of being vice president not saying anything? To me, part of that answer was Kamala-esque. Sure. Like saying something without saying anything. Well, you have to you have to remember, Mike Pence and his wife loathe just about everything that Trump stood for, right? I mean, if you were to look at Trump's life, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a negative against the Pence, I'm saying this is a reality. Like if you look at Trump's life, porn stars, three wives, you know, the shady, allegedly shady business, you know, all just all the Trump stuff, right? Just the general Trump persona, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks. Everyone knows the Pence's loathe Donald Trump. And Mike Pence's wife probably loathed Pence more, or uh, uh, Trump more than, than Mike did. And they they made, essentially, you know, they they compromised all of that because Mike Pence knew he was about to get boat raced by John Gregg in 2016. Mike Pence was going to be a former governor one way or another, either by the voters in Indiana or by getting on the ticket with Donald Trump. And for a guy who wanted to be in politics his whole life, he made the no-brainer decision, which is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop on this train. So he set aside his convictions to become VP. Sure, and he, and he was a quiet yes man, which is the role of the vice president. The mm-hmm. one thing Mike Pence did well mm-hmm. was he was a great salesman for Donald Trump, which is the role of the vice president. But when you are a salesman for the guy, and unlike any other president, the personality in this case comes with the guy, and the baggage comes with the guy, you don't get to all of a sudden go, oh, I'm so outraged about January 6th 
when you were a salesman for the guy and the people and the people who believed in Trump. You don't get to do that. And this is why he has no path to the presidency. Mm -hmm. Now, the people around him are going to convince him that he has a path to the presidency. I have as much chance of being president as Mike Pence does. <laughs> and it is none. The best thing Mike Pence could do is not run for president, hope. I mean, I would hope that he would hope for the country that the Republicans would win. But if his personal desire to be president is Trump is above all else, then if someone loses, then he's maybe in a position to be able to say, hey, I can give you the best of all worlds if you're a Trump person. But it, it's just ridiculous. And there, there's no way with Trump in the arena and DeSantis and no, even none. other people. No, no, none. Nikki Haley, Chrissy Noem. There's no way Pence's. There is no, nope. and he can't answer the most important question of all, which is why, if you don't think Biden got 81 million legal votes, mm -hmm. did you certify the election? Yeah. So Bob Dylan has a new book out, and it's quite fascinating. And a bunch of his personal letters have recently been sold at auction. And uh, you want to talk about that coming up? Yes, I would uh, love to. All right. We're going to get to that next from 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You knew we were going to do Bob Dylan. You've got 62 years of music to come up with. And this is what we went with? This is a, it's a crowd pleaser. I almost said, hey, play Tangled Up in Blue. But I thought it was obvious. Like, I'm with you, Rob. I kind of thought you knew we were going to talk about Bob Dylan. I'm not going to tell him what to play. I'll just be surprised. Well, it was either this or uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. Well, I, I went with the, it's funny, though, because I went with the most popular one, and Casey always says to go with the mainstream. We, look, look, Kevin. Play the hits. We are not here for the people. We are here to entertain ourselves. <laughs> and just make a note of that. <laughs> Hey, next time we say, hey, we're going to talk about Bob Dylan, maybe. Anything off. Chew up a Bob Dylan Kevin, song. That, what, <laughs> I, Kevin, anything off Highway 61 Revisited or the Free Will and Bob Dylan, it's fine. You'll be fine. Hey, when, we, when, we're, when we're talking here in a second, do your little YouTube research over there and pull up a Bob Dylan song to take us out. Okay? So Bob Dylan has a collection of personal letters that he wrote to his high school girlfriend, and they recently sold at auction for $670,000. Yes. This is unbelievable. It was a Portuguese bookshop that bought the letters, <laughs> and they call themselves the world's best the world's most beautiful bookshop. Oh. Um, and they plan on archiving the 42 handwritten letters. It's 150 pages of of love letters. Oh. And uh, they're going to let Dylan fans see these letters. And they also hope that scholars will study the letters. Yeah, so I have 
over the years, I've been very clear. Bob Dylan is on my Mount Rushmore. I think my top three are pretty solid in terms of Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, and Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth spot is there's a just a slew of people that I think I could put on there, whether it's like Michael Stanley or Dan Fogelberg or Harry Chapin. or I thought maybe you'd put Sam Cooke on that Warren list. Warren Zevon. Nah, you know, his untimely demise and the, sh- you know, I, I need people of the highest moral uh, character on my Mount, uh, Mount Rushmore. And I okay. can't. Uh, uh, but the point is, and this is why. I just broke my heart that that was what Kevin went with in the bumper music, is Bob Dylan's an interesting character in music history, though, because his window of greatness was relatively short. Like, you think what the free will in Bob Dylan was like 1962, and I think Blood on the Tracks was 75, and that was kind of the last of the great Bob Dylan albums. So basically for 50 years... He has been this relic of days gone by, largely playing the same. Now, there were a couple marginal top 40 hits, et cetera. But basically, that 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 group of music that he wrote from, say, 1962 to 1975 was so strong Mm -hmm. that he lives in the annals of, of rock and folk history and still continues to draw crowds based on something that stopped 50, 50-ish years ago. Well, I don't even think so much that it's the songs that we all know or can sing along to that we've heard somewhere, I would say, on the radio, but I don't know what radio. He doesn't really get played on the radio. Playing Bob Dylan anymore. Um, but it was his influence on other artists yeah. that was such a big thing yeah. of his existence. You know, the other thing about Bob Dylan, especially the early Bob Dylan, is he had really compelling album covers. Like, I thought the way that Bob Dylan's label framed Bob Dylan, and I mean that in a literal sense, like the the Free Will and Bob mm-hmm. Dylan is him walking down the street in the snow with his girlfriend on his arm, and Kevin and I were talking about this yeah. the other day when we were pounding some brews, that, uh, you know, the, and these old, and especially now, you know, 60 years later, those old cars mm-hmm. that are so prominent in that, in that photograph, and then, you know, the times they are changing, it was, it, and I had that poster on my wall for Years as a as a as, well, I would I guess teens or whatever. Of it's kind of like looking up at him, and it's like the whole world kind of rests on this guy's shoulders, and that's what that photo is portraying. I always thought he did really compelling album covers. I'm trying to think of when you were a teenager. Would have been what the 90s, right? I'm not that old. Well, yeah, yeah, it would have been late 90s. Yeah, well, late, well 90s. yeah, into the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and, and you've got posters of Bob Dylan yeah. on your wall. Uh huh. Versus like, you know, Sugar Ray or Matchbox Sugar 20 Ray. or, you <laughs> or know, Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth, yeah. Chumbawamba and you've got Bob Dylan. Well, well but Casey, when you're an intellectual giant like me, you know the lyrics matter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Chumbawamba and Bob Dylan, I mean, that's like putting Duke up against I know. Austin P in it's, the NCAA it's tournament. It's interesting that you say lyrics because uh, typically it's always women are more into the lyrics and men are more into the beat. That's why women love me. I I, I just got to ask. This no one lo- knows women like me. He's still not playing Bob Dylan for I've us. Got an on- so why do you guys not like this one? I like Knock it on fine. Heaven's door. But that's it, an original Bob Dylan song. It's like, well, it's like if you could have filet mignon every night, why would you eat fish? Fish is fine, but why would you eat a fish? But you, don't you, consider a, you don't consider it Bob Dylan? <laughs> oh, it's crap. We got to go. Yeah, all right. Thank you for sending me out to bad mood, Kevin. <laughs>
He's got a new book out, by the way, called The Philosophy of Modern Song. It's pretty interesting. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for joining us. It's 93 WIBC.